to my podcast. This is Ron Koval. My podcast is titled Overbrook Insane Asylum and the Demons That Dwell Within. I worked at Overbrook from 1988 till 1989. I've been on many different shows. Uh, Paranormal Witness, uh, Hospital Hauntings, uh, The Scariest Night of My Life. I did a few podcasts, but that's about it. I was planning on writing a book about the paranormal experiences I had at Overbrook, but a lot of things got in the way and never really had the time to sit down and actually put it down on paper. So I was told about podcasting and figured this might work, so I figured I'd give this a shot. So I'm going to tell you what it's like working at an insane asylum inside. There's a massive difference, people, on this being on the inside of an asylum working and having paranormal experiences and seeing different things that can't be explained than there is going to one that is closed down and saying, ooh, do you hear that or see that? Massive difference. Okay? I want to tell you one of the things I did for Paranormal Witness. That show. It's no longer on the air, but I think it's on Hulu. You still could look it up. It's titled uh, War 13, I believe, Angel of Death. That's what I gave them. So here it goes. One morning, I had the same routine every day going to work. I drive up, I get to 7 Eleven. I pick up a cup of coffee, a pack of cigarettes, a newspaper, and that's about it. And then I head off to work. It's about five minutes from there. That morning was a lot different. I pulled up in front of the asylum, got out of my car, made my way up the stairs into the door. Now, this is an empty ward. I share it with housekeeping which are in the corner area they have their own little section and I have my own little office on that ward and that morning while making my way through the ward I noticed by my office area there there was a patient standing there and as I got closer I kind of knew who he was and I wasn't absolutely sure as I got closer I looked and I said to him I said Anthony I said hey what are you doing on the ward here you know, you need me to let you in on your side, you know. And he said to me, Ron, he goes, do you have a cigarette? And I said, well, sure, why not? Because it was still early in the morning. So I put my things in my office, and we both headed out onto the porch. We stood there as I opened up the pack of cigarettes, and we were talking. You know, he was much older than I was. He spent most of his life in the asylum. Uh, he was suffering from schizophrenia and a few other details we won't get into. And um, as I gave him a cigarette, and I took one out, I lit his cigarette and then lit mine. We were talking about the different things about Newark, where we grew up, and how it used to be down there. And uh, so we were just chit-chatting, shooting the breeze, calm. And I noticed one thing about Anthony this time, that he was extremely mellow, extremely calm which normally he isn't that way. He's very jumpy, very jumpy. Um, 
So as we're talking and that time is shooting by, and I have a habit of looking down at my watch to see what time it is because I like to punch in on time and get that thing out of the way. And uh, the time clock is, as a matter of fact, is located on his ward at the nurse's station. So I looked at my watch. It was about 7 of 7. And I said to him, I said, Anthony, I said, you want to die out your cigarette? Because, you know, I got to go inside and punch in now. And come on, I'll let you back on your ward in case they're wondering where the hell you went to. And as I reached in my pocket for the keys and I put my head up, I noticed suddenly this massively black figure in front of me. It just came right through me in a flash. And when it did, my body temperature went down from warm to like freezing. And I fell to the pavement. I hit the pavement pretty damn hard and I was just lying there. I couldn't breathe, I couldn't move. I did my damnedest to try and breathe. I was so scared at that time and on the ground. And then as I lie there for a minute, I could feel my breath coming back and I could feel my lungs filling up again and my strength coming back. And as I felt stronger, I leaned over and got up reach up to the railing on the porch and pull myself up. As I'm standing there, I looked over at Anthony and he was gone. I said, damn it. And I looked around from the hilltop, which is wide open, you could see all over, and I didn't see him. I figured maybe he ran for help or who the hell knows. So I looked down, his cigarette was still burning on the ground. So I took my foot, I dyed that out. I got my key out. I opened the door to the ward, went in, and it was still empty. It was weird. And so I ended up going to the nurse's station to punch in. Walked in there, got my card out, punched in. It was about 3 to 7. Sat down in the nurse's station for a minute, and the nurse walked in and said, Ron, good morning. How you doing? You don't look too good. I said, no, nah, I don't feel too good. I got one hell of a headache. And she said, well, I can give you some aspirin, whatever. I said, sure, whatever you have, I would appreciate it. And she gave me this little pack, opened it up with a cup of water. And I just sat there for a minute. And next thing, out of nowhere, an attendant came running in from upstairs on the dorm. The patients had their dorm on top where they slept. And he said to the nurse, listen, we have a patient down. You need to call the doctor right away. So she called the doctor because the intercom system in the asylum really wasn't working that well, called the doctor up, and she said to me, Ron, can you help us this morning? We're kind of short on staff this morning. You know, I said, sure, I could help out. So I shook things off, and I made my way upstairs. And um, as I got there, the doctor got there too. And what we were doing with another attendant, they had like four to five different rooms, which held like maybe 10 or more patients in each one. We made sure the patients were out of the other rooms, keeping away from the ward, the patient, rather, who was down. Got them all out and headed downstairs as the other attendants finally got in. We made sure everything was empty. Then I went and I, each dorm there, I closed the door and made sure it was locked so patients have a tendency to go back in and take other people's things. So this is what we made sure they don't, they don't do that. And so as I'm ready to leave, I stopped in to tell the nurse, open the door. I said, listen, 
I'm going now. And that, and the doctor who was there said to me, Ron, can you hold on a second? I said, what is it, doc? He goes, hey, can you sign this for me? He handed me a clipboard. Now, I'm standing in the doorway. I look at the clipboard, and I'm looking down where he's pointing where the X is. And it says witness. So I just scribble my name down here. And I looked at it, and it says estimated time of death, 6.30 a.m. And I said, oh, gee. So I hand him back the clipboard. He goes, Ron, hold on a minute. Don't go nowhere. I said, what's the problem? He said, you have to see the body. That's, it's legal. You need to see the body. I said, okay, doc. So I walked in, and the body was lying between the bed. It was on the floor between the bed and the floor there, right there. So to make a long story short, I went in between him. He had a sheet over him. And the doctor bent down, and he pulled the sheet off of him really quickly. And when I looked down to look, um, it was Anthony. It scared the living hell out of me. I fell right onto the bed. He was lying there. His eyes were like they're bulging out of his head. His tongue was between his teeth like he almost bit it off. His hands were clutched to his chest. I felt onto the bed with my head down. The doctor then put the sheet back over him and told me just to relax a few minutes and till it passes, I'll be doing okay. Don't worry about it. Just take your time, take deep breaths and stuff. And, and so I was trying to tell the doctor at the same time. He said, you know, I just had a cigarette with him on the porch. He said, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just take it easy. Just relax. So as I got myself composed, I got up. And I was ready to leave, and as I looked to the right of me, the, every patient there had like their own little locker where they kept their clothes and whatnot they had. And uh, in the locker there, hanging up, were the exact clothes that Anthony was wearing when I was with him downstairs on the ward and on the porch. So this even made it even worse for me. <laughs> and so leaving there, I went down back to my office, called my supervisor. She said, the nurse already called her. She said, just take it easy that morning and just relax and stuff. You've been through a lot, you know. And she has no idea what happened outside, just what happened upstairs in the dorm. So I'm sitting there relaxing, having my coffee, and then trying to compose myself and stuff and gather my thoughts and because you can't really go around and talk to people on the wards or anybody there saying, hey, you know what happened this morning? Because in an asylum, they don't want to hear that. You know. So I waited about another 20 minutes, and I got on the phone, and I called a, a priest that I was friends with back in Newark. And I was lucky enough that he was in, and I was talking to him on the phone, kind of explaining what happened to me, you know, about Anthony and seeing him on the porch and then going upstairs and find out he died at 6.30. And I said, it couldn't have happened because I was with him. You know, if he was dead at 6.30, then who in the hell was that out there with me? Or am I losing my mind? And the priest told me, no, Ron, you're not losing your mind. He said, what happened with you? He said, you experience, as we call, the angel of death. It was coming to pick up Anthony. You were talking, dealing with Anthony's spirit. Anthony at the time didn't realize he was actually passed on. 
that's why he just vanished. You know, he says, when you have time, come down, we'll talk about this further, you know. And so when I got home that night, I told my wife about what happened, and she kind of shook her head, and she said, oh my God, you gotta be kidding me. I says, no. I said, I just don't know what the hell to say or do. It's just the craziest thing I've ever been through, you know. And, that, and you know, people, you know, thinking about, oh gee, why says, but why don't you just leave and go back to your other job? I says, no, here I get all the security and everything I want, you know, and I enjoy working with the patients and helping them, you know. So I kind of let things go by, and that was it. And hopefully that that was the only event in my life there. But that was kind of like the beginning of what was to come, because many other things came along things that on this podcast that I would tell that I didn't tell other people about or different shows and that there was another show that wanted me to come on telling a different episode of thing that happened to me and I refused I just downright refused and so here I am now telling this to you people Always remember what happened. These things that do happen in an inside of an assailant's arm, you know, are sometimes unexplainable. You see things and you will hear things that are out of the norm. They will scare the living hell out of you. That's why a lot of people who work here just sit there, get their check, go home, don't bother with anything. But when I have to work with patients one-on-one all the time, it's a different story. And I have many of them. So this is Ron Cobell, and uh, I'll be back again. Look for my podcast. Overbrook of San Asylum and the demons that dwell within. I hope it's here from you all soon. And that's about it for now for the first one. But later on, we'll be coming back with more. Some I hope they allow me to say. Until then, take care.